Well, I gotta. I want do do mics, and I'll tell you what he's got to do. What do you mean, do mics? Do his intro. Just introduce him real quick. Yeah. Uh, Dart Slowbrom, Mike Bradley. Okay, that's your name. Like, if you can't riff off that, I don't know what you want. <laughs> <sighs> you're not even getting a fun name. Like, you get that's your literal name. It's not my name. It's not my name. It's your gamer tag, and then it your is not full, my gamer tag. It's your full Christian name. <laughs> it's not my gamer tag. That is not my gamer tag. What is your gamer tag? I thought that's what that was. There's no M. <laughs> Wait, in what, Mike? Our <laughs> <laughs> slow brom, Ike Bradley. Slow Mike. I like that a lot. Do that. You would drop the B, call him Ike Radley. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy, spoiler alert, Stoltz. What's up, podcast people? Darth Slowbro, Mike Bradley. You actually got it right. That's great. Almost, I almost fucked it up again. That's okay. Uh, we also got Mr. Fleshlong, Josh Zorch. Apparently, you're not allowed to know what that is. <laughs> they may or may not know. We'll, we'll yeah. find out later. I'll decide on editing. Well, good to be back, though. And Grimbear, the war priest, Ian Leidick. Hey, guys. So I need you to know right now, you go to youtube.com slash oxhorn, and that is where you'll find my adventures as Grimbear, the war priest. I am playing D20. That is right, D20 game over on youtube.com slash oxhorn, where my character Grimbear, the war priest, leads a party of other adventurers because, of course, the war priest is the leader. And most recently, we have taken on a mithril raven. A mithril raven? Raven. Raven? <laughs> My character can't pronounce raven. Reverend. Is he Dutch? Raven. <laughs> nah, Tet just raven. did his teeth for him, and now he, he's kind of fucked up. Wavern. Wyvern. Wyvern? Weaver. Faja? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. This is, the, this is kind of the comedy you get when you watch Grim Bear and uh, War Priest in his I'm party still confused about how adventures. it pronounces Mithril correctly, but can't get Raven. Raven. <laughs> so, Brian, what's on today's show? Yeah, so moving on. <laughs> so, I guess if you've been listening to the last couple episodes, we've covered a lot of video game stuff recently, which isn't exactly in Josh's wheelhouse. So, we sort of plan this around like, Josh, what do you want to talk about? things uh and we we got some topics for you and of course but we also did add a video game related topic at the end so we'll, we'll get to that when we get there so we can't avoid them all we, we'll have one that hopefully works for josh so we're going to talk about a couple dc rumors uh a new teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and again the video game stuff we'll save for the end so kicking us off um, one of the DC movies that has been stuck in development hell for the better part of the last four years is The Flash. 
which uh, could continue to star Esmer, Esmer, I can't even say, Ez, I'm saying Esmera, Ezra Miller in the role. So the original release date for this movie was way back in March 2018. That was when it was supposed to come out. Um, originally it had, and I'm going to sort of go through a little bit of history here. Originally it had Seth Graham Smith attached to direct and write the screenplay. He was working off of a treatment from Phil Lord and Chris Miller. In April of 2016, Graham Smith left because of creative differences. Next, Has he done anything I would know? Uh, I actually forgot to look up the IMDb for him. I don't... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just, I've never yeah, heard of him Yeah, feel free before, to so check it out and you can chime in if you, if you see it while I'm reading through this. Um, next up, we had Rick Famuyiwa. Uh, he left in October 2016 due to creative differences. Over the next year and a half, there would be a bunch of other rumored directors. Matthew Vaughn, Sam Raimi, Robert Zemeckis. I think we even talked about the Zemeckis thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in January 2018, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, coming off of writing Spider-Man Homecoming, became attached to direct the project. Cut to March of 2019... And it's reported that Daly and Goldstein have some creative differences with Ezra Miller and their ideas for the script. Daly and Goldstein took a more lighthearted approach to the film. Miller wanted something darker. I think we talked about this at the time, too, because Ezra Miller then went on to write his own version of the script and got the help of comic book writer Grant Morrison to try to help him. And they were going to submit their script to Warner Brothers to compare to whatever uh, Daly and Goldstein had. Um it was reported at the time that if the studio stuck with Daly and Goldstein's script, that Miller might lose the role. He might not be able to play Barry Allen if they went that direction. But since then, it's been reported that Warner Brothers did not use Miller's script. However, they still decided to keep him on as Barry Allen. However, on the flip side of this, this caused Daly and Goldstein to then leave over the pro- leave the project over, yep, you guessed it, creative differences. So, as of today, July 6, 2020... Andy Muschietti is attached to direct the film. So, Josh and Mike, do you know who this director is? Indeed. You mean without looking him up? Yeah. Andy Muschietti. Yes. Josh no. got this in the bag. What do you got? It. I, I have no. I'm... Yes. Oh. He directed it and it. Is Chapter Muschietti two. the correct pronunciation of that, or is that that's machete? what it looks like? I don't think it's Machete. That's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's Machete. I'm... Yeah, that's true. I'm going to have to look this but up. I, I'm going to give Brian the, the benefit of the doubt on this, though. I'm sure this could be pronounced like five different ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pronouncing it how it looks like it's typed. <laughs> you should try and pronounce it how it's said. <laughs> Without someone telling me how it sounds, I, I don't know. So I'm, I, I, That's my MO at this show. I just butcher would, everyone's that, that name. Would, Andres Muschietti would be the Muschietti. Muschietti. The so there's no idioti. There's no E Yeti there, no. All right. It's All right. Let's just point out that like four years ago, we uh, reduced the one director to Denny V because we couldn't yes. pronounce his name Dylan correctly. Yes. That's true. Um, all right. Uh, so, but fair enough. The Go ahead. the story for this movie is still said to be Flashpoint. It's still supposed to be adapting the Flashpoint comic arc. Comic arc. Um, Flashpoint story for anyone unfamiliar has Barry Allen speeding back through time to prevent his mother's murder. When he comes back to the present, Superman is missing. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war. Bruce Wayne is murdered as a boy, which leads his father, Thomas Wayne, to become a gun-wielding version of Batman. And his mother, Martha Wayne, becomes the Joker. That's a lot to unpack. It is. I will say, I'll jump in real quick to say the first time. So I didn't know anything about the Flashpoint story until I watched the DC animated 
movie based yeah. on that that they did. Flashpoint and, Paradox, I think, is yes. that one? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that specific moment where you get the reveal that Martha Wayne becomes the Joker <laughs> from going insane in the moment of watching her, you know, small child yeah. be killed. I, I like lost it at that point. That was freaking genius to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great turn. I have a question on that, if if any of us know. I don't personally know. Um, has Grant Morrison done any work on any Flashpoint stories or offshoots or anything like that? I don't know. That's a know. good point. I actually didn't look up who the writer of Flashpoint is. So I'm not sure. Um, we can we can come back to that. If somebody wants to check that out, I'll keep going through my spiel here. And we'll, we'll come back around. Um, so... Uh, Buschetti has already been quoted to saying that there will be a different version of Flashpoint than you're expecting. So that kind of makes sense. They want to adapt something into a two-hour movie. You know, it's uh, adapted from the story. They're not doing it page for page, which happens for movies all the time. Um, And considering maybe the rumor we're going to talk about, maybe his quote makes a little bit more sense. So according to... They had a couple places that were reporting this. Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly... The rap, they're all reporting Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman for this movie. What? Um, now, from this point on, it's all kind of speculation. Uh, so you can sort of take this with a with a grain of salt. Um, the the maybe the reason that Keaton that seeing Keaton in the role of, of Bruce Wayne Batman could make sense with Machete's quote is that Flashpoint may not give us an alternate timeline, but instead open up the multiverse to the movies. Um, the Raps article on Keaton goes into this idea, meaning that every different version of a superhero could exist. So we could see Keaton reprising his role as Batman, the one that he left behind in 1992 in Batman Returns. Now, on the flip side of that, and this is just purely my speculation, we don't have anything official one way or the other, but if the story sticks more closely to Flashpoint, could Keaton be playing Batman, just not his Batman? Maybe he's playing the Thomas Wayne version. And I know earlier, I think I've said that, uh, you know, Keaton could come back as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. But depending on the article you read, some say Bruce Wayne, some say Batman. So it's really unclear what role he's playing, if he is being Bruce Wayne. I guess if it's, if they bill him as playing Batman, that could, you could call that the Thomas Wayne version of Batman. If they specifically are saying he's Bruce Wayne, then it's got to be his 92 version of Bruce Wayne. So in this, I had a moment when you when I heard about this and I thought to myself about the Rick and Morty episode about the heists where they go to Michael Keaton and they say hey we're doing this thing we need you to come back as Batman and he's like don't tell me anymore you son of a bitch I'm in and he goes to Val Kilmer same thing he goes to George Clooney same thing because like if he comes back can't they all come back Right, yeah, that's they the thing. Could, if they open I up the multiverse, yeah. To. I mean, this is except for Ben Affleck. I want him to come back. <laughs> Which... I mean, the multiverse is a way to explain why we're going to get Robert Pattinson's Batman alongside Michael Keaton's Batman, presumably at the same time. Which would be fine, and honestly, I think if you even had a short moment where Affleck showed up again, because they have already appeared together on screen, and that would make yeah. sense. It would not be out of the ordinary. Um, yes. That, I'd be all for that as well. Um, my my, if I had to throw my guess into it, I would say he is playing Bruce Wayne. Um, and forgive me if I'm jumping ahead because I don't know if this was part of 
the outline. But I got nothing else. So the next is just okay. like me throwing it to you guys. So whatever you want to spin to. So in in a few different places, two two or three different places on this story, I've heard that it is either being talked about or speculated that they may try to harness Keaton's version of Batman as a sort of Nick Fury type of gelling character across different DC movies where he may not like that incarnation. You, I guess you're still going to get like this, obviously this Robert Pattinson version, but there might be a smaller to medium role that Batman plays across multiple stories um, as opposed to just always having like a standalone arc or trilogy or something that he's, a part of and if that's the case i don't think you're going to do that with a thomas wayne flashpoint version right he's in as as that um if so it's that if, if, it, if it is thomas wayne i guess i'm thinking that more of like a one-off thing like he would just appear in flashpoint as thomas wayne and that would be it right and, and i think that it's possible i mean depending on which way they want to go um i mean if if they ever wanted the idea and it's been talked about for years and i think it's more of a fan hope than anything else if they ever wanted to do like either a good sort of Batman beyond or um, not necessarily like the dark Knight returns, but to have that older Bruce Wayne, like set him up for that. Give him, I don't care. Give Keaton one movie as, you know, like a central older Batman. I don't care if, if there's like, if he's, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Training, finding Batgirl or a Robin or something like he doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like mentor. Yes, you know, uh, uh, cultivating that next thing. I I would love that if there's if there's a path that like something like this starts to get us anywhere near that, I'm all for it. Just give me the Batman Beyond movie. I've wanted that movie that for years. Just got if you get Keaton back to be an older Bruce Wayne, fucking do it. And and so one thing I sorry real quick. So one thing I. Yeah, right, okay. the sources was if they go that route then maybe you substitute um your your you know that's how you curtail your batgirl character in perhaps as yeah. opposed to him training like a batman replacement and then now you have your batgirl character in this universe and can go from there yeah sorry mike good i i was just gonna say you know like so for now it's all speculation it's a, yeah. So, every all the articles are saying in talks, so there's nothing official. Right. Well, but is it in talks to be Bruce Wayne slash Batman? That's what or I mean. Depending on what to you, appear in the movie, that it's they're all saying either Bruce Wayne or Batman. It's one of the two. I don't know if they are. One I was going to suggest like a flashpoint kind of cheeky take on him turning up as Alfred. Yeah, I think it's going to be less of a because he just like a cameo you know, thing. I think he's it's going to be one of those roles. It could be. But I, I, you know, I don't, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. It's Flashpoint, so kind of things can go crazy. Right. So, and they can do their own take on it. Nothing says it has to follow, you know, what happens with those characters. Um, They could turn it on, their, on its head their own kind of way. Uh, the other thing that I was asking is, uh, that popped into my head was do we actually have confirmation that Robert Pattinson is playing Bruce Wayne? We know he's Batman, but do we know he's not Tim Drake? 
I, I, I don't know. I guess I kind of assumed that, but I don't know the stuff that, you know, talking about the announcement of Robert Pattinson as Batman, if they ever specifically said Bruce Wayne. Right. That, that was just my concern, because if we have this universe where Ben Affleck could still come back and be Batman, potentially, you leave that door open if Robert Pattinson is not, in fact, Bruce Wayne. What's the thing? I think the and multiverse could let you do is... both. It doesn't doesn't matter. Well, right. Opening the multiverse does a lot of things. Which, I mean, they've been doing on, on TV for years. Sure. And it works. Yeah. I love all the TV stuff. Um, Andy, we'll swing over to you. Uh, Keaton returning as Batman. You think it's going to be Flashpoint Batman? You think he's going to be uh, 92 Batman? I would love to see him as a 92 Batman. I just, I just really hope that whatever they do, they do it tactfully because, uh, like, he still has my highest opinion as a, a Batman. You know, I thought Christian Bale was good, but still, I'm going Keaton. Fair. Um, and I just, they need to incorporate him enough where he's he's still, you know, pretty badass, but not overwhelming the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. want to see a 40-second clip of him being Batman and that's it. That's that's <laughs> not what I want. You know what I mean? Because be... otherwise it's going to be like all this build-up for less than a minute of Batman. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think we'll get multiple movies out of him or you think it'll be one and done? Oh, man. If they could get multiple movies again out of him, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. That would be like a dream come true. And with... Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man character out of the MCU who could kind of pop up in the Captain America movie and the Spider-Man movie. I say, I, I guess they the, the write-ups made it more akin to Nick Fury, but I kind of see him possibly as more of this next level's Iron Man in, in DC. He can kind of be that central thing that doesn't always have to be the central point everything else is sort of happening around him and he has his fingers and everything supporting character for all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian, what do you think? Where do you stand? Well, Keaton's already played his seminal role as a superhero. So I kind of don't want to see him get back into it. We're talking about an Oscar winning performance. So I don't, I don't see the point in bringing him back to play a puny little Batman thing. Like who cares? Talking about Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pinnacle. And then it's at the same time. I don't. I, who gives a shit? Like it's DC. Who cares? <laughs> just, just put him out there. Put him in the movie. Have the patents of Batman. Have them not connect in any way. Have him show up in this, and then never bring him up again. I think the big issue is really is like you can't put him in this movie because Ezra Miller still has to establish himself as the Flash. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't really gotten a lot of screen time. <laughs> we know almost nothing about the character other than he laughs at some bad jokes. <laughs> That, that is he drew a true. face on somebody when he was visiting his dad in jail. Yeah, and like, so if you put Keaton in this, it's just gonna suck all the air out of the room, and like, no one's gonna give a shit about the Flash. Well, like, this this I movie. I have an interesting question for you here, Ian. Sorry, I didn't oh. mean to cut you off, Brian. But th this plays right into what he's saying here. What if the Snyder cut gives us a lot more information about Barry? It won't. And then they're going to use that. Well. I'm just throwing it out there that your close personal friend and your <laughs> idol um, could, pro <laughs> could produce a um, a more definitive 
look at Barry for what the future could hold for the character in their DCEU, even if they're not recognizing the Snyder Cut as official canon, which we don't even know yet. Well, I think the way you get around that is, I mean, or one way to try to deal with it is, so when the MCU brought Spider-Man back in with Homecoming, there's like one scene that's less than two minutes long where him and Ned just have like throwaway lines about the spider and it happened. That's as much backstory as the MCU gives you about Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man. I think you can do a similar thing with Flash where you either... Honestly, I think you change up the idea of what he's going back in time to do or, or what the thing is that he does that then causes the time divergence to begin with. Because you're right, there's a lot of foundational stuff in that character that hasn't been established, so you don't make him run back in time to save his mother. Uh, you show him with his dad in jail in Justice League, but you have no idea why his dad's even there. Why waste screen time on all that backstory just to give you your MacGuffin to make the whole rest of the plot go forward? Make up a different reason that he does something with the the speed force or space time that then causes the flashpoint conditions to occur then you don't have to worry about using up all that screen time for that well i think i mean i think even to to ian's point i feel like this flashpoint as a story i think would be a much better second movie i think i think you need the solo movie with the flash to sort of flesh him out like ian's saying I completely agree with that. I think I think you need more time with Barry Allen to dis- to figure out why he makes the decisions he does instead of just opening the movie, he screws something up, and then the whole rest of the movie is him trying to fix it. Like we're not even talking I about know, his I... backstory about how he became the Flash. It's literally I don't know as a character why he would choose to do something because he doesn't have enough screen time. The difference, Josh, with Spider-Man is that we've had five different movies before Tom Holland showed up as Spider-Man and they just gave you his backstory in one line. People have and seen you know Spider-Man it, but movies. That... That is fair. Well, well, we don't need to see that, that Spider-Man die. without the movies is still a like the Flash is big, but he's not Spider-Man in popularity. Right. People don't know the story as well as they would know the Flash. We might, but your average moviegoer knows Spider-Man's story, whereas they better. don't know the Flashes. Yeah, and I guess I'm taking for granted that I have watched six seasons of a television show. That and that helps. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> So I, I guess it, in my eyes, if you were – and you're not wrong that, yes, from a cinematic standpoint, you do need an establishing movie. But I feel like for me as a viewer, I feel like I'd be using two hours to not gain much else, if anything, that I've already spent six years watching on TV. I mean, let's put it this way, Josh. The TV series did this. It took them two seasons to get to Flashpoint. You had all that yeah. build up to get there. Right, and then they – didn't really i mean they did such a simplistic version of right. flashpoint i mean they like just by name yeah really i mean they just said flashpoint i.e barry went back in time and messed something up that's like and I, I get base a level feeling as that that's how this movie is going to go too i don't think all the stuff that we mentioned i don't know how much we're going to see in this movie as far as like the waynes mm-hmm. going down a path and all that stuff i don't know sure. how much we're going to get so this is probably going to be a movie that just uses the Flashpoint name, but is a lot less about Flashpoint than we want. Uh, that, yeah, that's where it's still not written. Like, <laughs> <Good> <laughs> which point. could be true too. Yeah. 
yeah, this this movie, who the hell, I don't even know if it has a new release date. Like the date I think I thought I saw was like they're talking about 2022. But oh, with man. everything else okay. getting delayed, who the hell knows? And with how many times you said what 2018 was when it was first supposed to release? Yeah. yeah. So they were working on it back in 2016. And then it got They were pushed. working on it in 2014. Yeah. It's been 6 years. Yeah. Yeah. And they they pushed it and it's 2 years out. I would say this is still up in the air as to whether you ever see this movie or not. And I think they did. They I forgot to write down the name. They did hire another screenwriter for this one. Um, it's a woman, and I can't remember her name. I'd have to look it up again. I think I, I'm on the page, and it's Christina Hudson. Yes. Who worked on uh, Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. Yes. So that gives me some hope. I, I trust her as a writer based on some of her credentials and stuff, so I think that could help. Sure. Um, but still the, the fact that this movie has been talked about for that long and we've seen nothing and again, has the revolving door of directors. Who's to say this guy's going to stick around. We don't know what the hell's going to happen in the next couple of years. Well, the problem is they don't have that unifying vision still, and they don't have someone like Snyder even that'll just force it out because he has enough credentials in the industry to get you to just release something. Yeah. And we're right. not talking about something like the Joker where it's a big enough character. People will go see it. Right. Yeah. The name will make the money with the Joker, especially like how popular it's been since Nolan's version. It kept it there. And even Jared Leto's emo Joker couldn't kill that. <laughs> so yeah, the flash doesn't have that. Um, so, Coming back around too, because we I, we set it up and then didn't talk about it. But Jeff Johns was the writer of uh, Flashpoint comic book, so just FYI. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I from looking further at it, there was a, several other like offshoot comics along the way, but Grant Morrison did no work on anything to do with Flashpoint. But he's written the Flash before, so it's not like he right. He's written the character. Sorry. I'd actually, I'd like to. Like just for shits and giggles, like to see what Ezra Miller's version of a script for this movie would be. You know, no offense to the guy, he's a great actor. He's kind of out there. He's a weird dude. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty fucking weird. But Flashpoint is the kind of weird thing that he might be able to write well. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'd be curious. Grant Morrison, however, has wrote some of my favorite DC material. He's also weird too. <laughs> he is, but it, like box. his runs with Batman, he has several. I mean, they were all comic books at one time, but there's several graphic novels you can get now that are some of the best Batman material you're gonna find. Um, no, he also wrote my favorite run of Moon Knight. He's a very great writer. Yeah, he's f fucking fantastic. So I have nothing against him going there, but so is Jeff Johns, and Jeff Johns evidently had some trouble getting things going with this DCU at one point. You know, the more yeah. I hear about whenever, like, they sort of, when Zack Snyder left and they started bringing in Jeff Johns to sort of head this creative vision, I've heard nothing good about him working on these movies. And granted, well, I, I, asshole or? Just, like, no idea what the hell he's doing. Like, well, they're I going think to him for answers is, and he doesn't have any. I think their problem still is, is that, they don't know what they're doing at Warner Brothers, like at the parent company. They're trying to run this like their normal film business while not taking into account like how DC itself is set up. Yeah. And then just plugging in talent from the DC part of it and telling them, hey, 
do you do movies now? Yeah. It's like, well, that's, that doesn't cross over. It's, it's like they true. don't know how to get actual executives in. Like, it's, you know, Disney's had problems before. Like, at the very top, you had Michael Eisner saving the company, then almost destroying it. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think Warner Brothers has figured out, like, we can't just pull random DC executive in and be like, you make make it make universe. <laughs> like it, right. it doesn't I, work I think, like that. I, I think they saw like Marvel's model, where Marvel went to Joss Whedon, and they got so much quality out of that collaboration and so much momentum. But I feel like they discounted the Kevin Feige in that matter. That really was the driving force. Even if Joss Whedon did a lot, Kevin Feige was the one that was pulling the strings the whole time and. They have not had that with DC. They haven't had that person that's pulling all the strings behind the scenes and doing it well, at least. And even like right what the leadership that Ian's been talking about, I feel like they've changed hands three or four times over the years, too. Like, they can't keep leadership together. Well, that's because they haven't been able to make a hit. I think that that goes all the way to the mm-hmm. top of Warner Brothers outside of the movies division, even. Yeah. It's just kind of a mess there right now, like, how they're managing this as a whole. Yeah. Since Harry Potter, it's kind of been. And even that, I think you could say at a certain point they kind of lost the plot there with how they were managing that franchise. I would agree to disagree on that one, but that's outside the point that we're talking about. But nonetheless, it's. Yeah, I understand what you're getting at. And. Yeah. I I don't know what their solution is. Yeah, I'm shocked. I just tried to look it up because I. Wanted to know like how long DC has been owned by Warner Brothers, and like one or two things that I just found are all saying that they've had ownership since the mid seventies. I did not know it was that long, um, and you would think over that mu- amount of time. I mean, they made how many Superman movies during that period? They made two very successful Keaton Batman movies. Uh, for all the shit that it took, Batman Forever actually did really well financially. Yeah, um, it did well. Yeah, and I know it's like that's where it started. And and actually, we should mention Joel Schumacher recently passed away. Yeah, uh, director of uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Um, but maybe th- I, I I Disney maybe just avoided a big pothole when they decided to get in business with with marvel studios and then acquire it um marvel studios already existed outside of it disney came to them they saw the potential and somebody there a few persons made the smart decision not to screw with it they assessed that there were a you know a couple of smart people with a good vision in charge and they let them continue to do that and nowhere along the way as we keep saying in different ways dc uh, Warner Brothers never put a DC film studio division together. They never yeah. made that part of the company to do that. And maybe to Mike's point and, and you know Ian's too, that yeah, you just can't pluck ra- random, current, generic movie professional out and say, all right, well, you're working on the the funny book movies now. Yeah, there's no yeah, there's no one to one ratio for like you write a comic book, so now you can write a movie and craft a movie universe. No, like it doesn't it, work it, like that. And that's why I think Joss Whedon was a different case early on for them, is because he wasn't just a comic book writer. He had done this before in his career. Yeah. 
So, although Jeff Johns has done, he's written episodes and stuff for TV. I think hasn't he? I think he's. Done, I feel like he's done episodes of the CW shows and stuff like that, or at least creative consultant was, for some of that stuff. Was that before or after they decided to put him? I thought it was before doing this. I thought I, it was some of that experience that maybe led him to be in charge of the movies and stuff like that. But I don't know the time okay. frame is like when when what happened first and and like years. Maybe, and so stuff that's like a that. different job, like you know. Yeah. Even script writing, like a script writing, is just a completely different set of skills. I think. Yeah. And I, I just it just comes from the top down. I just don't think they are well managed right now with how they're setting up this universe. I think they're better off like they used to, where it's just. Let's make some loosely connected movies. Yeah, which is where they're trying to go, and now it seems like they're trying to have you know the best of both worlds. Let's do some stuff that's connected, and if it's by itself, we'll just explain it as multiverse stuff. I think they could just do it and not explain it. Just be like, hey, sometimes it connects, sometimes it doesn't, and you'll know they connect because right. we'll reference stuff. <laughs> Let the MCU be its own thing. Let it have its you know crafted, connected universe, but don't try to emulate them. Let them be their own thing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, at this point, we'll just have to wait and see where it goes. So, um, just sort of around the table, you think we'll see Keaton as Batman? And and it, it just, you know, which Batman are you putting money on him, him so being? So, b- before we vote, do you mean in uniform as Batman? Or as Bruce Wayne? Credited as Batman. Boom. I, Move on. <laughs> I don't think you, if you get him and they make this movie, I don't think you go all that way not to have him in the suit for something. Okay. Okay. Walking I'd by actually him put... in, in the, in the Batcave, I, I don't know if it like necessarily would be like an action scene per se, but I don't think you go that distance just to have him be Bruce Wayne. I feel like, I feel like the stipulation will be he is not suited up. I think he'll be okay. in the Batcave, Bruce Wayne, sort of bat- doing Batman-y things, <laughs> but will not suit up as Batman. Is he too old? I, I think it's probably one of those things where he just doesn't want to wear the fucking uniform anymore. <laughs> well, they've I also... I don't CGI feel like he on. has good ex- good experiences wearing the uniform, which I'm sure is better now. I'm yeah. sure he could get a better uniform now. Uh, I mean, he was wearing one not that long ago. It wasn't Batman. It's a different bird. Fair. Fair. <laughs> but that was more of just like a Twice. jacket and some CG wings. Oh, they were they were CG? I'm assuming. Oh. He wasn't really flying around, right? Well, they were real wings, though. Well, so are you talking about Birdman or are you talking about Vulture? I was talking about Vulture. Now I'm real confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, personally, I, I think he'll either be there as Alfred or Commissioner Gordon. So hmm. no Batman at all. I, I think the rumors that he's being discussed as Batman are just off there they, they saw michael keaton being discussed to turn up in a flash movie and it's people's minds going wild like the internet tends to lend to yeah and i feel like today he makes more sense as alfred or commissioner gordon and a cheeky little nod at some point to his past as batman so a cameo yeah, but not a reprisal nod. yes given that i would potentially see a commissioner gordon i can't even in a flash point where everything's upside down I can't see Alfred as anything but a Brit, and I don't <laughs> see Michael Keaton doing accents of any kind. And uh, he would just Sir Michael can't Keaton. hear a Pittsburgh British accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Commissioner Gordon could be interesting. Uh, Andy, where you at? Batman for the all record. The, Batman all the way for the record. Okay, Ian, not in the movie <laughs> at all. 
No, it's <laughs> a good bet. This is complete it doesn't, it left curveball. Yeah, they're gonna he's gonna pitch him the script in two years and be like, no. Oh, so you're, so by the time the movie gets made, you're saying he's backed out. If they even can convince him to sign up for an unwritten movie. <laughs> Hey, we've been producing this for six years. You want to be in it? We have no script, and our director's the it guy. Maybe he might have he might have left. We don't even know. We didn't actually even ask the it guy to be in it. We're just saying. It. You know what? I'd, I'd like to change my vote to Ian's vote there. Yeah, I think there's a big contingency on a strong case on any of our answers. That will the movie be made? And yeah. if so, in what capacity might Michael Keaton appear? Pretty much. I think it's more likely Zack Snyder directs it than <laughs> Keaton appears in it. It's on the record. We'll see if you're right. You're going to feel real dumb when I'm right. <laughs> well, more it will officially any, more than, blow my mind. More than anything, I will say I want this to be true. I absolutely yeah. like the joy it would be yeah. to I- I- experience this. As, as, even just the idea that we can think about this. And I, to go back to sort of how we opened the episode and you know, Brian said, like, hey, what can we talk about? He and I totally agreed that, yeah, a lot of this is rumors. And it, it what, what, all that can be confirmed, it seems, like has been said, is talks are happening. Apparently yeah. nobody can really say for what definitely, in what capacity, et cetera, et cetera. Just talks are happening. And in the shitstorm that is every day of 2020, that's good <laughs> enough for me. Yeah. So just the, the joy that even brings me that the notion that it might be true. I'm good with. And at the same time, if he does sign on, I actually don't want to read the official announcement that he is part of this movie. Just save it. Like, I'm fine talking about the rumor that maybe he's in there, maybe he's not. But mm. if it happens, don't tell me he's officially there. I want that surprise for the movie. Yeah, that would actually That's the first scene in the trailer. In to see the movie. That that will be in the trailer. There's no, no way no, that's being no confi- for sure. No confirmation. Saved. You will if have this to is do the potential. I will go. <laughs> oh, you know definitely. what though? They did Recently, something similar happened. Not to the same scale, but in my personal opinion, close. And it didn't get thrown in the trailer. We got a surprise reprisal of a role from a different universe just recently, and they put nothing of it in the trailer. And that's J.K. Simmons as J. J. Jonah, or J. Jonah Jameson. And maybe the most perfect casting they've ever had for any Marvel movie ever, and he comes back. I think I think the they didn't only, tease that at all. yeah the only difference with that, that is like the the, the tagline of the movie or the the end credits mid credits whatever scene that was is a little bit different than having a supporting role in the entire movie which is what I sort of expect Keaton to have like if he's in the movie he's going to be on the poster like there's no denying it yeah there, there's no way he's not part of the marketing big time no matter what extent like, he plays first three on the call sheet yeah, yeah for sure so unless anybody wants to try my method and go complete an utteral media blackout and never look at IMDb again for like three years on this movie and not look at movie posters and skip every trailer possible and cover your eyes and your ears in movie theaters if that ever becomes a thing again. There's no way you're not going to get spoiled that he's in this movie before you get there. Yeah, I will try my best to do that, but I'm going to be so curious about this movie when the first trailer drops, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. If he avoids that first trailer, I I might be able to keep that a secret. I'm on with Ian. He's going to avoid that first trailer because he's not going to be in it at all. <laughs> I changed my Michael vote. Keaton he made a good case. avoid watching so. the first trailer for the Flash movie. That's how much 
<laughs> That's how not in it he yeah. will be. He will not even watch this movie. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on to second DC rumor. This one I feel like is a little bit more outlandish if we go all the way through it. So um, back in February 2015, this is a full year ahead of BVS and two years before Justice League. Zack Snyder dropped a teaser poster that featured Jason Momoa as Aquaman that said, Unite the Seven. Does anyone remember this poster? Because if not, I'm going to send it to you. The poster, no. No. All right, so that was the only poster that had that on there. Slogan was never used again. So considering this poster was dropped, again, two years before Justice League, three years before Aquaman's solo movie, there was internet speculation. Is it referring to seven Justice League members, or is it referring to the seven kingdoms of Atlantis? So, of course, around the time that Aquaman was released and the Snyder Cut was a pipe dream, it was reported that the forgotten Unite the Seven tagline was for the kingdoms of Atlantis. However... We now know that HBO Max is getting the Snyder cut of Justice League. A Twitter or on tw- a Twitter on Twitter, a fan asked Zack Snyder, "What did you mean about Unite the Seven? A Green Lantern in a Green Lantern is coming?" Question mark. Zack Snyder replied with just a wink emoji, and that was it. This is what this entire rumor is based off of. So <laughs> I'd I'd say that's a pretty personally I'd say that's pretty solid. So, but go ahead. This lends to the original tagline. Supposedly meaning seven members of a ju- of the Justice League. So when we saw Justice League, there was only six. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg. So we're missing somebody. So again, taking this rumor to the extreme, there are a few places saying that we're going to get a Green Lantern in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Not only that, but people are speculating Ryan Reynolds will be back as Hal Jordan in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So which part of this, if any... Do you think could happen? Do you think we'll see Green Lantern in the Snyder Cut? And do you think it will yes. be Ryan Reynolds? No. Oh, you think... It, wh- okay. Why? That, that's a surprising position. Why would it be... Why would it be Ryan Reynolds? I'm just... This is what the internet is telling me. This is this is the articles Lantern. that I read for this thing. <laughs> everyone is saying... Well, not... Maybe, all right. Maybe not everyone. But some of these articles are putting two and two together. Two, two and two together and saying Ryan Reynolds is in talks to reprise his role as Green Lantern. There's nothing to back that up at all. Green Lantern being in the movie, sure. There's a little bit of credence there based on Zack Snyder's tweet. But just, you know, adding to the internet shitstorm, do you think there's anything, any truth to either of those? I don't know if there's truth, because I don't know if we have any way to assess that necessarily. I think, again, this is just something that if it can happen, I will be overjoyed. I, I, I let me let me put it this way: I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to worry about reshooting footage with a Green Lantern if it's not Ryan Reynolds, or if it's not the person who you are definitely going to cast in an apparent, uh, apparently rumored Green Lantern show for HBO Max. Are they actually reshooting for the for when they the first Snyder Cut? Talked about the movie. They had said no, but I don't know they the are. way everybody's talking. It seems like they are talking about reshoots. Oh, they will be. Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm, there's reshoots, Ryan Reynolds, maybe. I'm under no impression. If there's not reshoots, a hundred percent. I'm under no impression that the Snyder Cut had all of this there, like archive that just got 
cut and reshaped and then Joss Whedon reshot a bunch of stuff for the version we saw. Um, right. I, I'm sure there's some of that, but I am under the impression that like something like this is for something they either never got to in his original plan and, and now they can you know do a little reshooting to squeeze that kind of stuff in. But well, like I said, I, if you're going to go to the trouble of including a Green Lantern beyond like the quick little image that you get of Green Lanterns fighting in the uh, like flashback prologue in Justice League, I don't think it makes any sense to do it unless it's the one Green Lantern you've established exists in feature film or if you have future Green Lantern projects that you're definitely going to do, and you use this as the opportunity to introduce that actor. Which at the time they were going to do. The Green Lantern Corps movies were going to happen. Right. Like they had talked about that. So this could have been a jumping off point, just like sprinkle him in to then see more Green Lantern movies after. Mm -hmm. Like a rebooted Green, Green Lantern, not Ryan Reynolds. And right. Josh, I don't know if you, I might be seeing how test your memory here. The, the Kevin Smith podcast, Fat Man Beyond. Yep. So the articles I was reading about the, the Green Lantern stuff, and I remember this as I read about it. At some point, Kevin Smith was on his show talking about someone he had talked to that was in production on Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. And there was a shot in the trailer, I honestly can't remember if it made it in the movie, where Alfred talks to someone off screen and says like, oh, you know, thank you, we are glad you arrived, hopefully it's not too late. Everyone assumed it was Superman. That he is talking and referring to Superman. And if it's in the movie, that might be how it's cut now, that he's talking to Superman. Whoever Kevin Smith talked to, this is, you know, friend of a friend type thing. Sure. Said they shot the scene with a green light shining on Alfred. I remember, I mean, even outside of that story, I, I seem to kind of remember that being talked about around the time Justice League was released. So this isn't like anyone high up in the production. This is like a, a gaffer, someone that's just on set right. at the time is saying, we shined a light at Jeremy Irons. It was green. Yeah. So is that enough to tell you that that could be Green Lantern in that scene? Or is this just like the game of telephone where I've heard something three different ways and now I'm regurgitating <laughs> what I heard? Obviously could be. If, if those circumstances were true, what else reasonably would it be? Well... At that point, there's the a couple things I would say. So, I mean, if that, if that, I, and I'm, again, I haven't been, a, it's been a while since I watched Justice League, so I'm trying to remember if that scene is even in the movie or if it was just in the trailer. But if we see that scene again in Snyder's cut, if, if this is true, theoretically, we should see a Green Lantern there, he, where Alfred would talk to a Green Lantern, not Superman. Right. And if they, you know, it beg, if they shot that with a green light, we don't know if Green Lantern wasn't cast yet, if they had an actor there that is playing Green Lantern that they just haven't announced or was going to be a surprise for the movie. If well, they shot the those scenes... the effect in. True, yeah. I mean, just... But theoretically, you know, just spitballing. Cast if, if they cast somebody that was supposed to be a surprise and they shot that scene with that person, the footage is there. So it's just a matter of not reshooting something but putting it back in the cut. Could be. That's true. I, I still, I still feel like if that was Ryan Reynolds, that would have leaked. That's what I mean. I don't. We would have known that at the time. If we would have heard about this a long time ago. Snyder shot that originally. Ten bucks. It's not Green Lantern. It's someone completely new. Right. I'll, I'll, right. Yeah. So the only reason Green Ryan Reynolds would make his way into the Snyder cut is if it's a reshoot, and I don't think reshoots are happening. 
I think they're doing post-production, polishing special effects. I think the shots are there. They just need finished work special effects-wise and stuff to clean it up, get it mm-hmm. in the cut of the movie. Well, I would say if if there is a way, and as Green Lantern has shown, many different people have been that character, and many many different people have been um, at the forefront of, of the movies or animated shows that they made on that that character so conceivably if they wanted to they could do a small reshoot tying the knot off with ryan reynolds green lantern and kind of putting that to bed while also acknowledging uh like being self-deprecating like yeah guys we know (laughs) but next to him maybe you have john stewart yeah. Maybe you have another Green Lantern who Pass the baton in that movie. will be the you know the thing to carry forward in whatever next incarnation of that property they want to pursue. Yeah, I mean if the, if if all this comes out and we watch the Snyder cut and Ryan Reynolds is in that movie, it will officially blow my mind. Correct. <laughs> Cuz I don't I don't think there's any fucking way this is possible, but if it happens, <laughs> holy shit balls. If they were to keep that under wraps for this long, they shot him into that into the movie. Yeah, I agree. Well, like I said, and I'm even going like way far out of the way to say maybe they didn't, but they're going to reform it a little bit here to get him back for one day of shooting for some kind of small stand-in position so that you have his presence known and, and the tie to that project of his that they made, but you have the other Green Lantern introduced with him, which will be the one we'll follow into the future. Yeah, And that would require sure. a small amount of new footage. You think it'd go as far as like repurposing Green Lantern footage from Ryan Reynolds' movie? Uh, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> God, I hope not. Like we didn't actually take the time to shoot anything. We're just gonna borrow this, recut everything around it. Like that's part of our post production is just, just like they did with, um, uh, you know, like uh, Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker. We're gonna take mm-hmm. your performance, but everything in the background is gone, and we're gonna put it in a computer. Anything's possible now. It- Throw enough yeah, I mean, money it's at everything. Possible, that's, that's what happens. But I don't want them tied to the Green Lantern suit looking like that. Oh, fair. Yeah. So I mean they could re CGI it, but at the same time I would still rather them go practical like they have for the other stuff. Yeah. Um, Andy, where do you stand? As to whether or not it's gonna happen. Do you think we'll see Green Lantern? Do you think we'll see Ryan Reynolds? Any combination of those? I think what we have here is them trying to oversell something that is going to um, fall short of our expectations. So there's no truth to this at all. I don't think we'll see him. Okay. Green, you mean Green Lantern? Period. No Green Lantern at all. Uh, we may see Green Lantern. There's no way it's um, what's his name? Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ian, where you at? Oh, there's no Green Lantern in this. At all, no. I think we know additional because he was in the movie to begin with. He is in the flashback stuff. Yeah, now he's not. <laughs> Taking up that's cut. That's a Joss Whedon move. <laughs> you see this like is black it? smudge that? that's like going around the frame just because they just photoshopped him out. Yeah, that's a Joss Whedon shot. You can tell. <laughs> I, I think we found Ian's new nickname, Dream Killer. <laughs> That's better than Star Killer. <laughs> oh, I, 
You love the I Marvel killer base. I just I, I don't see the point of Green Lantern being in the film. I don't see what his presence would add to it. So I, I think with the Snyder person... Cut... Sorry, go ahead. I'm interrupting. I think the, ver- the the reason the Snyder Cut exists is to recreate the greatest film ever made that we never got to see, and I don't see the Green Lantern being a part of that vision. Neither is the vision in it. I'm going to confirm <laughs> that right now. Then I'm going to get. I'm going to swing back Paul to the Unite the there. Seven tagline. Do you think that's Justice League, or you think that it's strictly Aquaman that was, related? Yeah, that was Atlantis. Okay. The, it's it's Aquaman uniting the Seven Kingdoms of Atlantis. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean that's what that was. Okay. No one says unite the seven, and that means the Justice League. No one has ever yeah, said it, that. Yeah, no it, one it's, has it's, ever it's, said that. It's not a term ever used for the Justice League. That could have been However, your close personal friend's just tagline he was trying to push. That could have been something he created for the Justice League that was going to be used. But but isn't unite uniting the kingdoms part like unite specifically that word part of like Aquaman's thing? Probably, I don't know. I don't read Aquaman. I'm just well, I mean, I the Justice League didn't and... united. Like it's, it's no, it didn't make any sense. I mean, he had to gather the the team. That was part of Justice League. Was forming the team. No, that happened at BVS to assemble. The, yeah, they can't use assemble. That's trademark. <laughs> it took them twenty three um, movies to say. <laughs> I, I feel like personally, I feel like Green Lantern does show up it's because the the Justice League without Green Lantern is what. Fine. <laughs> so God. Cyborg is more important than Green Lantern to the Justice League? In the current incarnation of the Justice League, yeah. What DC's using with their comic books, yes. I think there was another founding... There was a seventh member okay. of the Justice League when they... I haven't been up to it, so... When they started, right? Wasn't it Manhunter? Wasn't Martian Manhunter part of the team? Yeah. Yes. So what, if, what, if, what if he's in the movie? Doubt it. This that is, would be this is me spitballing. This is that'd be the greatest thing Zack Snyder's ever done is bring <laughs> Martian Manhunter to the large screen. That's actually be awesome. who the resurrected Superman is. Like they could reuse old Doctor Manhattan footage to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> just have Martian Manhunter hanging dong. <laughs> I would just like Pain to green. It's fine. I would just like to point it's, out it's... in uh, in November uh, a a public online publication called Heroic Hollywood. Uh, on Twitter, reported Deadpool star Ryan Reynolds supports Justice League Zack Snyder cut campaign. To which Ryan Reynolds himself responded, "Honestly, I thought release the Snyder cut was something you're supposed to yell while making love. My bad." So he's invested. Yeah, it's a very Ryan Reynolds thing to say. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's something Ian has done. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. I was just wondering. He has more respect for his friend than that. <laughs> like, do you think about your friends when you have sex? No. All right, so this is right. taking a turn. But you're thinking <laughs> about the movie, not your friend, you know. My friend made the movie. <laughs> wow. Multiple so, uh, any, any last calls for the Green Lantern stuff? That's all I had. I honestly, I hope it happens. Why not? Fair enough. Whether honest, it would be great if it was Ryan because I think they could. It would make them have to be creative, but if they yeah. don't do it, then it's fine. But if it's if any incarnation is there, great. Why not? Yeah. All right. So next topic, we are going to talk about 
there's another reboot in the works. So Deadline is reporting that uh, Nickelodeon, who currently holds the rights to the property, is rebooting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, they are using Seth Rogen's production company. So it has Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and James Weaver attached as producers. Um, Brendan O'Brien as the writer, who he is wrote uh, he wrote Neighbors, Neighbors Two, and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. And it has Jeff Rowe, whose IMDb mainly just lists him as a writer for Gravity Falls and Disenchantment, as the director. Hmm, Um, The article also reports that the movie will be animated and not live action. So, what do you guys think about an animated reboot for the Ninja Turtles? Pass. (laughs) Put them in costumes. I agree. I would enjoy live action much more. I really enjoyed the uh, last um, animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. TMNT. Yeah, that movie's fucking good. It's really good. I went to the theater to see that, and it was awesome. So I'm... um, And I actually never saw... I I don't know. I thought the Turtles looked weird in the last real-life couple of movies. Out of the Shadows and something or another, everything else. I think it was just Ninja Turtles and then Out of the Shadows was the second one. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really, yeah. I don't know. They just looked weird and odd to me in those so you movies. So you, you didn't see those movies? But Bebop and Rocksteady looked No, I didn't see awesome. either of those movies. Okay. Did anybody see those movies or just, just me? I know Josh hasn't. I, I did not. Because we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. I love those movies. Mike, you might. You've seen them, Mike? Okay. I love them, yeah. Ian, you haven't seen them? Don't care? No. I believe Out of the Shadows made my top ten the year it came out. Yeah, I think I think the first one, first one has its issues. Second one, I I do think is actually really good. I think I think the second one just got a bad rap because the first one was had issues. Yeah. Um, second one deserves a watch. I think Josh. I think he, as much as you were trying to avoid if them, you like the cartoon. Because of, you know Michael Bay's association with the with the stuff. I think the second one you can just jump in. Like it doesn't matter if you see the first one or not. Just jump into the out of the shadows and watch that know. one. It, it, it's a possibility yeah, it, at this it, point. There's. It, it, if you like the cartoon from when we were kids, you will like Out of the Shadows. Well, I'm, I'm with, um, is it, I'm sorry, Ian or Andy, which of you just said that the, uh, Ian maybe, it was like the look of the turtles in those were so off-putting to me. Like, they made them, in my opinion, like, the design of them just looked so awkward and like, I don't know, just, like, that, that's not how that animal would look. I, I don't know. There's <laughs> yeah, something about it. That's it, it was very strange to me. That was my take on it too. I saw the previews and I'm like, I don't like the way they look. Mm-hmm. So wait, that sounded horrible. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. They just I don't like yeah, how just, you look. I don't know. It just that's not my vision even remotely as to what the Ninja Turtle should look in real life. I guess it kind of grew on me. Like, I think I thought that way at first, too. But I kind of liked having a visual representation of their personality, other than just color. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, you go back to the to the other live-action movies, it's just the bandanas. That's the only color change that... I mean, I guess the, the texture and stuff of the turtles looked a little bit different. Color schemes were a little bit different. But, you know, you really had to look for that kind of stuff. For, the, for this one, at least, you, you know... Donatello has a big computer on his back and stuff. Like he's he's built for that kind of stuff. Leo looks more like a samurai. Raph looks like you know the he's got a bandana and big stuff. And yeah, bulky. it was it was a little bit more apparent. 
which you know might seem over the top, I guess. But I don't know. It, I don't, it worked for I me. I don't need it to be apparent. I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I want their. <laughs> I want their <laughs> um, each one's individual personality to show through in a movie. You know what I mean? I don't. And to be fair, need them to look aside, like a samurai and a big busky, bulky dude and a freaking computer-backed turtle. I think I think the looks aside, the the personalities are spot on in both of the movies. I think that's one thing the first movie got right yeah. is that it nailed the personalities for the turtles. Yeah, they, they hit that off. The the thing that they missed on for me that was a big miss was Casey. Um, Stephen Amell is not Casey Jones. Yeah, I like Stephen Amell, but he's was, not. Yeah, Arrow. Like, yeah. yeah, they had him as Casey Jones. It just does not work. Of all the things they did that worked. It just that just doesn't. I don't know. Like it, Elias Codius in the first movie, right? That's Casey Jones. That's yeah. fucking yeah. perfect. Stephen Amell. Nope. You know we're all <laughs> excited about the Snyder cut for the for Justice League. I want to see the original cut of the first Turtles movie that they did, like the that got cut to shit because everything in the marketing for that. And I think we talked about it way back when. Um, and now I'm gonna have to fucking IMDB the guy's name because I can't think of who it is. Wasn't it like too violent? About or like something? the no, 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 the, like, movie or the 2000? No, 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 no. The first, the first, no, the first, first, uh, Michael Bay produced one. Oh, okay. With with oh, Megan Fox. Oh, I thought you meant the '91 that I thought they had said was too violent at one time, and they cut a stuff. No, because that one, they um, who the hell was the actor? Everything in the first couple of previews and stuff, I think they were teasing William Fickner. So. He plays the villain in the movie, but they had someone else mm-hmm. turn into Shredder. I think the original version of that movie was having him be some sort of Shredder, which maybe didn't test well or someone didn't like that. But there are parts of the movie that lead that direction, and then the third act just falls apart because it's all leading to that, and they rewrote it to make traditional Shredder, which was fucking stupid. And he would be a good Shredder. And, you know, the second movie has to build Much off of that. Much better than the actor that they got. But second movie sort of builds off of that whenever they do that and, go, you know, keeps the more traditional shredder and, and gets way outlandish like the cartoon and shit did, um, which works for that Prang. movie. But this that first movie, I think, could have worked so much better should they just stuck to their guns and just fucked off with what people thought and just made a cool movie. I agree. Do you, Brian, so do, you, anyway, do you own either of those? Yes, both. Specifically because, and even though you said it, it doesn't really come to fruition, I am a big enough, believe it or not, William Fichter fan that mm-hmm. I, I will sit down and watch this at some point. If you if you watch that, just in the back of your mind, remember that the original version of that would have had him be the main villain. You'll see why it just falls apart in the third act of the movie. Fair enough. I, and I can sell you the second movie with one sentence. Beyond like the Bebop and Rocksteady stuff and the Krang being in it, it's and a all bad that. sentence. <laughs> that no, I said beyond that. One sentence past all that. Tyler Perry as Baxter You're, Stockman. Wait, Tyler Perry's in it. <laughs> I'm as out. Baxter I think you just lost Stockman. Yeah, out. I'm out. What? Way to go, Mike! You just lost him. He's, well, <laughs> I'm out. Sorry. He's no, awesome. No, no fucking Baxter possible way. <laughs> And I'm never going to see it, so you can never try to sway me one way or the other, but I'm never seeing that. Look, I have have an understanding of why you have a thing against Medea, but Tyler Perry is an actor outside of that. Dude, I even hated him in Star Trek. 
<laughs> yes. He was in Star Trek. Yeah, he's one of the like Starfleet. He was, yeah, some yeah. of the managers. Yeah. yeah, he like. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like lecturing him when he mm-hmm. does. Yeah, the, that'll always be a black cheats. spot on that movie, and I love that movie. <laughs> um, Ian, any any the way you said that just there got yeah. you canceled. By the way, I'm just we're gonna just roll because <laughs> Tyler. I don't like Tyler Perry as an actor. Get anybody else in there. No, 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 I'm saying you called him a black oh spot. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's all. Not what all what I meant. What the fuck? <laughs> um, Ian, anything for, for Turtles? Do you, like, do you even care about Turtles, period? Oh, yeah, I love the Turtles. Okay. I think they're super cool. Uh, I've been doing a podcast called Talking Turtles, <laughs> where we talk about Turtles, Turtles and Turtle. You know, Turtle from Entourage. But, um... I'm a big turtle guy. I would like to, like I said, I would like the live action thing brought back because I think that's just cool. I think that, you know, we don't get enough of that anymore. I mean, I get like either Jim Henson puppet like costumes and stuff or like CG. I'm talking vanilla ice era turtles. (laughs) Okay. Bring it back. Just bring out the same outfits from then. I still. And then, you know, I I still think legitimately this is not being like, I loved my childhood and nostalgia is so cool. I legitimately think that the first 1990s Turtles movie holds up. Yeah. The production, the costume. I, I like the costumes in that way more than uh, Secret of the Ooze. It was, like, darkly shot. It was it was a dark movie. It's ahead of its time, really. I, it really was. Like, it, it just... Mm-hmm. I would love that incarnation again. And granted, there is probably a certain bias built in because, yeah, okay, I'm six years old and I liked the Ninja Turtles. And so that's ingrained in my brain. But compared to the other properties and incarnations live action they've done, um, you know, like CGI animated, notwithstanding, just like the four, what, five, five, five feature films live action they've done. I think that one is the best and was the best approach to production. Yeah. And it, and it's not even close. And the reason for that is they they were the most true to the source material with that movie. The source material for the turtles is fairly dark. Yeah. Yeah, they like slash and people up and stuff. They, they have knives it, as weapons. They are right. killing people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, it it took a turn toward a younger audience with Secret of the Ooze. That's where they kind of turned it from. To be fair, the cartoon was going on at that time. And so yep. when people went right. to see the movie from the 90s, they're like, this is not the cartoon. What the fuck happened? I took my kids So to they this. course corrected for the second one. Right. I understand that. But that doesn't change the fact that that first movie is the best of them by oh, far. Oh, true. Yeah. It's, it, like, it's not even close. It's, it's so much. You can actually, even through the costumes, see them yes. acting. Yeah. You can, like, the voice performances inside the costumes. I don't want to call it a voice performance, Santa, because they are in there speaking. But that and the action sequences they had in those movies with actual martial artists fighting actual people was so much better. Yeah. So a real fight looks, well, real yeah. fight, but you know what I mean, looks better. So, yeah, I, for, for those reasons, I am on board with the end that I would be much more excited for a return to a live action, although I would be surprised to find that Seth Rogen would put his name behind something that he 
puts out the turns that turns out to be shitty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still just his production company, and they probably just put him as a producer because it's a production company. I don't know how much involvement he'll really have in crafting the turtles. I mean, I could use Seth Rogen voicing Michelangelo, <laughs> though. <laughs> I could do that. So, uh, getting the Seth Rogen laugh out of Michelangelo. That did would anyone be besides me and Andy watch the 2007 TMNT animated movie? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It didn't blow my mind or anything, but it was I good. Really, I still really like, like 1990s. The first live action Turtles, I think, is by far the fir- the best one. I'd put this at number two for me. I'd go three. I'd still say Out of the Shadows before that one. And see, maybe I have to watch Out of the Shadows again, but the this the animated one that they did still holds a special place in my heart. I still really like that one. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say those three, and then the rest you can have. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I only care about those Josh, three. I'm actually surprised you hadn't seen that one. Do you, you haven't seen the animated one? No, by that point, there had been, like, a couple different versions of, like, animated series on TV, and just, like, I don't know, at that, the age I was at, at the Those moment, and sort of the headspace I was at, I just didn't, it, it, I, stuff like that, I can be very affected by the marketing, and yeah. I, you know, was watching everything at the time, it was a commercial, it was yeah. a trailer, of course, why not, um, and the way that it was presented seemed from what i remember seemed like it was going to be really boiled down to like a really little kid level and so i mean that's how it came across to me so i then therefore didn't have any desire to watch it i think yeah i think i think you'd be pleasantly surprised okay what what happens and to other sell you on it kevin smith voices in the movie i think i did know that Mm -hmm. at different points he just plays a random diner cook, but he's in there. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, maybe we can maybe we can set and up. And he introduces a villain you're probably today. not familiar with in any way. What was that, Mike? Well, I mean, if we if we go through with the wheel, Josh, the turtles are going to be on the wheel. They can be on the wheel. That means if they're, if they're on the wheel, that a, means you have to watch Out of Time or Turtles in Time, whatever the hell, the third one from the nineties. It's just right. it's yeah. TMNT three. Oh God, the samurai. <laughs> One. It all exists. Can't oh, be ignored. We, we have to get through the first two to get there, but yes, that would be in line. Theoretically. Toka, Razar. Um, no, what, what I had said is it introduces a villain you're probably not familiar with. Not introduces, but it deals with a villain you're probably not familiar yeah. with, which is a good thing for that yeah. movie. But the rest of the voice cast is pretty solid. Chris Evans is in there. Sarah Michelle Gellar's in there. Patrick Stewart's in there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, like I said. Nolan North, for any video game fans out there, voices Raphael. Yep. It's a quality voice yeah. cast for what you would expect from that. And like I said, it like Brian said, but didn't say directly, is much more mature than you're led to believe by the cartoons of the time. Okay. Yeah. The cartoons of that time I tried watching and as an adult they are garbage. Um I don't know what I would feel like if I was a kid again. I have not gone back and watched the old Ninja Turtles. Have any of you done that? Like, watch the original cartoon ones or lately? movies. The cartoons, uh, not the cartoons. Not no. Since like my twenties, I found them online somewhere, and I don't. I probably watched like twenty episodes or something. Do you remember? Did they hold up? I feel like they'd be god awful. 
that's what I'm thinking. Like, they would be horrible, like, product placement <laughs> bullshit kind of shit that we were fed. The, honestly, the only one I've watched that still holds up so well is the X-Men. Okay. Oh, okay. I tried watching Spider-Man. I couldn't get through, like, that early 90s Spider-Man. Yeah. I couldn't get through them. I couldn't get through so many of the other ones that are there, the Fantastic Four and the Hulk series. And they have all these things on Disney Plus from the early 90s from Marvel. I tried watching them. I couldn't get through it. But the X-Men still holds up. Gotcha. I don't know why I, that the, is. Does the In terms of the 2007 animated version, does it... Like, if I were to just see the movie poster, does the animation look that way the entire time? Because I think I was... To, to me, the style of the animation can tell me... I, I think it often tells you a lot about like the, the animation in, in a, like a preview or on a movie poster for that version did not look very sophisticated. Um, it looked from a quality standpoint, looked similar to the type of stuff that by that point, Disney channel or Nickelodeon could, you know, bang out on a daily or weekly children's show. And so therefore I correlated the look of that, the sort of simplistic animation look to the, level of uh you know maturity or sophistication I mean, it's a lot that I thought it would have. It looks a lot better in motion. Cause I, I'm looking at the yeah, posters it's a, now. It's too. a lot smoother than you're thinking. That's what I had to do. I had to go back and look at what the poster Because there's a specific scene that takes place on the rooftop downtown between two characters in the rain that looks fucking phenomenal. Okay. I'm I'm watching Fast and Furious movies. It's an now. hour and a half of your life. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, it is of your a life. very short watch. Um. Yeah. Anything? Anything to wrap up for this? I don't know if I have any final questions for. Other than if anybody, I guess if they do an animated reboot, would you see it? I know some of you prefer live action, but would you see the animated reboot? Uh, yes, I believe I would. Okay. I would consider giving oh. it a shot. Mike? I mean, it's Turtles. Okay. I'm going to watch it. Ian? Even if I'm, I would prefer it. No. no. <laughs> I done. didn't see the last one, so I'm probably going to jump I don't think here. it matters. It's being rebooted. No, but I didn't see the last set of reboots. Like The last ones were live action, is what he's saying, and he, he didn't even Fair watch enough. those. All right. Yeah, I will, I'll, I'll be there. I'll check this out for sure. Um, all right, final topic. This is our, our video game related topic for this episode. So this is it Bethesda, Mission so, No, it is not. Uh, Bethesda announced on their website that Amazon Studios has licensed the right to the Fallout franchise. They also announced that Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy's production company, Kilter Films, will be producing. Now, admittedly, that's about all I have about this one. I, I know the video game franchise. I have a very general passing knowledge of it. I've never played the games. Um, I know Josh is completely clueless, clueless to this. Completely. Um, and I know Ian is a fan. He's played a lot of the games. I think Andy, you said you played a couple too. Uh, yes. Mike, have you played any of the Fallout games? I played three and a bit of New Vegas. Okay. So Ian is our Fallout expert. So I'm going to give Ian the opportunity to basically set this up for Josh and see if he can sell Josh on the idea of this franchise as a series on Amazon. 
So Mike and Ian, Mike and Andy, your your sort of passing knowledge can keep Ian in check if he strays off topic or tries to sell us Waterworld in the form of Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. Okay. So wait. So maybe I just misunderstood. Okay. So this a video game franchise being developed into a live action series. So more or less, Amazon. this this is yeah, video game series is being turned in or video game franchise being turned into a series. Knowing nothing about this video game franchise, Ian's going to give you the important stuff that you should know. Okay, but I to, to see if you want to check out this series when it happens. This might be tough because I do have a pretty negative history bias of video game video games turned into TV or movies experiences. So, did you watch The Witcher? I did, and that was better. But I've also seen Assassin's <laughs> Creed. Well, The Witcher okay. also has a pretty. Uh good base in actual novels it's not just yes. a video game show well I'll, I'll admit when i saw True. mortal kombat come up on netflix i got excited so you got potential ian go scorpion's revenge watch it it's amazing so on a cold brisk october day october 23rd 2077 the unthinkable happened nuclear war so leading up to the whole fallout universe i want to get a little to the backstory so basically leading up to 2077 the great resource war happened where all of the world we ran out of resources so we all went to war over what was remaining the america we annexed canada annexed mexico and then basically by the end of it it's um the european federation china and america left well, China invades Alaska because there's still some oil there. And then we fight them off because, hell yeah, America. America. <laughs> and then and then 15 years later, the first nukes are launched. We still, to this day, do not know who launched the first nukes. But we do know it doesn't matter because the world is gone. Wait, what happened to South America? Did we take that too? God only knows. <laughs> That hellhole has been gone and lost to the ages. It is so lost that no one has ever written about it. <laughs> it's never come up in the games. And Australia kept their mouth shut and everybody forgot they were there. All right. Well, go. Australia's not a real country. <laughs> <laughs> Australia's actually just Chile. They were a glitch in Fallout 76. That's what happened. So, during that, the nuclear war happened. So... The vast majority of people were wiped off the face of the earth. So you had about two groups remaining. You had people that survived in some way, your normies, your normal people. But then you also had people exposed to extreme amounts of radiations, and they became ghoulified. Now, a ghoul is essentially a person who just kind of looks like a zombie without all the wounds. Someone drained of moisture almost, like the real... Like a green, like kind of green, darker skin, but they don't look like smooth, the, like the touch. So that's what you have left, like repopulating the earth. So you have that, and then any surviving animal, for the most part, has been mutated into some weird ass creature that now kills. You know, giant ants, radiation scorpions, stuff like that. So you do have ghoulies mating. Mm -hmm. They're all sterile. So then, okay, so they're just a defined population that will eventually die off. But because there's still radiation left over over time, you could become ghoulified if you get too close to a radiation source. Oh, okay. So they can still get new ghouls that way. But depending on what the time period is, I believe the earliest game starts in, well, I guess now it's um, 2102, which is 25 years 
after the fallout. So even then, yeah, 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 you get it. (laughs) So that's big picture. That's the universe. It's a post-apocalyptic wasteland filled of humans, ghouls, and then the strange creatures, and then trying to rebuild this society. Now, in there, you also have different factions left over. So one of the important ones is called the Brotherhood of Steel. Depending on where you pick and choose where your brotherhood starts, it's mostly the remaining U.S. military banded together because they no longer had orders. They just went dark when the nuclear war happened. So they banded together and started helping people, but their leaders decided that, you know, man can't be trusted with technology. So the Brotherhood Steel goes around and gathers all of the old world technology so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands so we don't destroy ourselves again. So you have them. Then you have the Enclave, which is the remnants of the U.S. government. They're a secret, shadowy organization that's supposed to be composed of the last of the U.S. government, and they're doing all this weird shit behind the scenes in order to prolong humanity through their vision of what humanity should still be. Okay. Then you have, like, there's a couple governments still left, so you now have the New California Republic which, as you can imagine, was a government started in what was California, which is just the basics of humans forming together under what they, a new America, essentially. You know, democracy, they have a president, there's a house, there's Congress. Like, they're, it's pretty normal to what you would imagine if it happened to us, this is how you would bring it back together. Their big thing is, is not a, the ghouls are allowed to join. You know, they're not anti-ghoul. Even there's this other thing called a super mute. Now, get this. A super mutant is um, a person that has been dipped into this vat, just like the Joker. But instead of coming out with a smile, they mutate into this big, hideous-looking beast that's 75% muscle, so they're, like, hunched over. It's like a hunchback of Notre Dame if they were 6'11". And that is one of the main antagonists of the series, is these super mutants running around. So, in the beginning... There was Fallout. And then you, this is the first game. I'll start there because I think that kind of gets the essential story they would tell. Would either be do the first game or then or just give you this universe. So in the first game, you live in a vault. So there's this company called Vault Tech that made Fallout vaults that people could go into to be protected for when the nuclear bombs happened. Now the vault you ended up in, you don't have a water chip anymore. So now you can't make no more new water, so you're all going to die. So they choose one person at random. This person's known as the Vault Dweller. And he gets sent out to explore the nuclear landscape to find a water chip so that his people in the vault can live. Okay. So he goes out on an adventure running into a bunch of funny people, having a good time in what is left. Yeah of the world while at the same time dealing with wow there's a lot of raiders and people doing bad shit when no one's holding them accountable so there's that overall tone of so there's humanity rising against the adversity coming together and forming something new but at the same time you still have the worst of us dragging us back down to hey i'm just going to beat the shit out of you with this stick because you have food (laughs) and any post-apocalyptic conflict happening okay 
So the the key though becomes when you're discovering the water chip, you go through, you find the ghoul city, Necropolis, where it's just a bunch of ghouls banded together because a lot of people don't like ghouls because they look weird and it, you don't want to be near them. It's like, oh, fucking ghouls. <laughs> because there's also ghouls that had like too much radiation. So they still look like ghouls, but they no longer have a mind. So they're actually like zombies and attack all the humans. Only the humans? They don't attack other ghouls? They don't attack other ghouls because they're like, ah, it's a ghoul. Ghoul bro, I know. That's next level. You're already thinking ahead. <laughs> so wait, let, so, me, let me let me pause here. Yeah. So how how many incarnations, chapters, whatever uh, you you call them, of this game are there? There are five main ones, and then there's a two spin-off tactical games which are no longer canon, and then now there's a new sixth one which is this open world everyone plays together online thing that a lot of people don't like. So there's six games of content they could really pull the story from. Okay. Is New Vegas considered to be part of three or four? I counted it as its own. I mean... Okay, you count that. Yeah, that's... Okay. Well, I started I at five. Yeah. One, two, three, New Vegas, four. And then 76, six, you're calling yeah. the new one. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. Cool. Okay, so b- Go ahead. before Sorry. I lose myself in too much of the, the potential detail... Um, what what news has been shared about the development of the show? Meaning, have they said anything None. about like episode orders, or have they said no. it's gonna be ten episodes to begin with? It's gonna be this they the... signed a deal. That's yeah, it. They basically said it's happening. Okay, okay, yeah. Just want to know. That's yeah. why I'm the talking so happen. broad because <laughs> we really have no idea what they're gonna do. In my head, they're gonna just do the Walking Dead, but in the Fallout universe. I feel like that's the show. Yeah. Just do let's just do that Walking Dead show, but well, it, ghouls and super mutants. It's in the. I, I feel like it has to have some of the humor, though, that the Walking Dead doesn't have. Some of the cheek that's in Fallout that's not in the Walking. I would like Dead. that because that's the thing. It was, Fallout's a very self-aware universe. They do a lot of that. Like in the second game, especially referenced it was a game multiple times. Which, while immersion breaking at the same time was funny, there's a lot of that humor, like the vault companies, you find out the vaults were built as like a, a, a experiment. So instead of actually protecting you, they were running experiments on people. And we don't actually still to this day know why. Mm. There was a canceled game where, so this is no longer canon, but the belief was that the enclave of the remnants of the American government were building a spaceship to send the last colony of humans out into space to escape this hellscape we've created and they were going to use the experiments from the vaults to see how they should run that colony ship Mm. so and from game like main game to main game does the narrative continue or it's just like a different flavor of a like a similar idea so one to two connect like in the second game you play the descendant of the first game's protagonist about a hundred years later okay and then the rest are loosely connected, mostly connected in setting with some minor crossover setup stuff. But for the most part, they're all independent of each other. Gotcha. Okay. But the overarching world evolves together. Like the from three, like um, from three, you know, it takes place on a different continent than the first two. Not continent, but the East Coast. So there's not as much connection to the first game, but you just still have the same elements going at it which is why they rebooted it and then new vegas they brought it back to the west and then expanded on what's happened to the new new california republic and the brotherhood of seal since then Hmm. 
So they brought them back and like expanded on their stories from the first two games. And then the fourth one took us back to the East Coast. Okay, so then, all right, so I'll pose this question to you guys who then know the background. So, given that you haven't really been told what the development of this product will end up being, what is it that you think would work well to to adapt all of that? Like, what do you think? What well, do you me, think is the approach they should take? One thing I'm gonna I, looking at the press release again. I'm gonna pull this quote that I don't know might help give you a tone. Um, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan released a statement from Kilter Films saying that uh, we're incredibly excited to partner with Todd Howard, who runs Bethesda, um, and the rest of the brilliant lunatics at Bethesda to bring this massive, subversive, and darkly funny universe to life with Amazon Studios. So that's sort of the tongue-in-cheek humor that Mike was talking about. Okay. So it's... it's Darkly funny, I think, is a good way to describe it. It's it's tongue-in-cheek humor, you know, apocalyptic humor, I guess. It's very self-aware. Like, if you look at the two things I sent you there about the Fallout guy and yeah. the Nuka-Cola, it has a very um, disting- distinguishable art style to the stuff you'll see around that is kind of like... It, as much as Fallout has in its gameplay and all that, it still makes a statement about how ridiculous the world is and how ridiculous people are it has a point to make beyond just shoot the okay. zombie thing. Um, and you can get the satirical humor out of those two things, I think are like the two biggest things in the game that you can draw that out of. Um, where it's very self-aware and very, like I said, satirical in a lot of ways in the world that it exists. So have the rest of you played this as, I mean, Brian, you like automatically deferred to Ian to kind of be the overseer on this one. So uh, have the rest of you played these like as extensively or do you know the backgrounds? No, not, not as much as Ian has. I know the basics of like sort of what Ian said, the, the nuclear war happened um, I know the games usually start with you emerging from a fallout shelter and you're just thrust in the universe of trying to make your way and gather materials and survive. But other than that, that's about all I know. I, I was waiting for Andy. I'll just throw it out. I've played it. It's like I said, three in new Vegas. Ian knows what that means. I don't know if Brian or you know what that means, but it's, it's not it's it's evolved since then but it's still the same idea of the world that it exists in i have a have an understanding of the deeper narrative i don't have as much an understanding of as what ian would not at all at least not as i mean he is very much more into fallout by my understanding well, to, to the point that you guys already brought up it sounds like it could easily be a pit that they could fall in if they simply do you know post-apocalyptic where one of the main struggles is just the shitty side of humanity as as much as i personally feel that walking dead lost its way a long time ago for the first couple of seasons i would argue that it did that perhaps better than any show or movie really ever got a chance to portray that to, to especially to the extent that it did given how long it was on on the air so as 
and, Still. and so maybe trying to avoid even pulling that element in. I mean, the stuff that you're talking about, like survival, puzzle solving, almost um, uh, missions, effectively. Like, here's the next. I mean, almost not, part of it's almost got me thinking, like The Martian, right? Where in a circumstance, we need to solve pragmatic problem X in order to survive. So we need to find an at this natural resource. We need to find water. We need to find this computer chip. We need to find a thing. We need to figure out how to solve this problem. That could be, and in that kind of different style setting, that could, yeah, that could keep me interested. If they went, you know, fairly quickly just into, okay, again, look at the world crumbled and the darker side of, of primitive people has come out, and there are just people who, you know, want to watch the world burn and, as you said, kill you with a stick for your food. I, I think it's I think gonna we've be, seen that so much already. I think the difference is going to be the humor. I think injecting the humor of the franchise into this is going to set it, up, set it apart. You think even if that type of element is present a good amount? Yeah, I'm gonna. I was reading the press release again. It wouldn't be Fallout without trying to skim it. over. So this little paragraph, maybe I'll just read too, which sort of again reiterates what Ian said. But uh, the world of Fallout is one where the future envisioned by Americans in the late 1940s explodes upon itself through a nuclear war in 2077. The magic of the Fallout world is the harshness of the wasteland set against the previous generation's utopian idea of a better world through nuclear energy. It is a serious and harsh in tone yet sprinkled with moments of ironic humor in B-movie nuclear fantasies. Like, what I would like to see, like, originally, if I'm just talking what I want a Fallout thing to be, I would like them to just go through the stories, but I think to make a good TV show that you can keep doing it over and over again, because eventually the game ends, you know? So, if you don't want them to just jump, like, after four seasons, we hit that story, let's jump into the next one. If they want to do a thing that can last, I think it would be more something like the Orville, where they're more parroting, like, the greater nuclear holocaust scenario, and then using that Fallout-style humor in it, where it's more of a thing-of-the-week kind of deal, instead of following an overarching real storyline of emerging from your vault and getting the water chip. It's, here's this thing that's happening this week in the nuclear apocalypse and then sprinkle your humor in like there like there's so much little stuff in the games like in fallout 4 one of my favorite moments was you're exploring this school and you find out you know those bandits have been holed up in it you know for a couple months and um the one of them he starts like he has a wound that he couldn't close so it starts getting infected and over time like he starts going a little crazy he's like i keep seeing this creature and he keeps having his underlings like search for it and stuff and then after two weeks of this he starts waking up covered in blood and he's like someone's killing these people and then dragging their bodies on me so he's like really freaked out and he's like i can see i can see the eye of it just staring at me every night and eventually this creature kills all of his underlings and you find out it was the bandit leader himself who had gone crazy killing his own subordinates while wearing the head of the mascot at the school. That was the creature. It was the head of this bear mascot for the school they're trapped in. And it's missing an eye. That's why he saw the one eye. And of course, in typical fall fashion, you loot it and you start wearing it. and You become the bear man. Hunting the nuclear waste. Yep. And you get to role play that as a while and listen to your guy interact with people while wearing this bear mask. 
it's things like that. It's like emerging, like they do a lot of set pieces where it's not even a story that detailed. You emerge from a house and you see two guys, two skeletons on top of a safe with one holding a knife. Knowing that at the very end, when the bombs were going off, they were fighting over who gets what in the safe. <laughs> okay. It's things like that. Like, even at the end, when we know it's all ending, I still want that money in that safe. You owe me. <laughs> it's things like that. It's even going back to the time period where, like, there's a whole subplot about a cause, uh, radio, because radio was still real big in the Fallout universe in 2077, because we still only had black and white television, so there's still radio dramas going on. And there's a whole story arc you can follow in 4, about the casting of the radio drama in its final days, and the lead star being upset that the monkey's getting more screen time than him. Like, it's little things like that. Like, you know, it's not about... The overall story of Fallout 4 is not that good. I hated the ending. It was... They they botched it. But the inter little stories throughout the universe, all the little things you get is what makes that game worth playing. It's all the little things. That's how 3 is. That's how New Vegas is, too. It's like, the overarching story is solid in those, but the little people you find along the way and the little stories you get to discover are what really makes those games special and makes you feel connected. You feel like something actually occurred here instead of everything revolving around your character. It's like people are actually living in this universe. They don't just live when I can see them. And the style, too. It's like a 1940s-esque like tech and stuff like that. Everything still has vacuum tubes. Hmm. And then if it doesn't have a vacuum tube, it's nuclear powered. Cars are nuclear powered. <laughs> the ar- the power armor, like this big like mech kind of suit thing people wear is nuclear powered. So that's why there's still a bunch of radiation around because everything's nuclear powered. So that's why the, the press release says it's the generation's utopian idea of a better world through nuclear energy. Okay, okay. Like, they did the thing where it's hard to actually predict the future, so they just correctly predicted it wrong, so that no one would judge what the future is like in Fallout. They're like, well, we'll have all these nanotubes, like, computers that take up walls, and everything's in black and white still, and all the music's from the 30s. Like, it's not wrong, because it's no way it could be true. So they went with that aesthetic for it, but I think at its core, Fallout's always been funny. I guess as a, as a follow-up sort of, Josh, if if you're still kind of curious just to see what it like could look like, we could have Ian like, handpick you some trailers or a trailer that might give you just a tone or style of the game sure, I'd to see that. how that might translate into yeah. a show. Okay. I mean, I, I, enough of what you guys said has me de- definitely has my attention, and I, I would be interested to see what they're able to mold it into. Yeah, I mean, it's just something I'm sure we'll revisit whenever they come up with a trailer or something, which I'm, you know, is probably a couple years out. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, as a production company, they're still working on Westworld. They got something else in the pipe. So it, it's going to be a while. So, oh, okay. So the, because the, Westworld's on HBO, but the same production company will be making this for Amazon. Yes. Okay. And it mm-hmm. says that, uh, what did I just read that? Uh, they are currently in pre-production on a techno-thriller drama, The Peripheral, based on a novel. Um, they're also producing HBO's Westworld, just wrapped its third season, recently picked up for season four. And it, that's all it lists right now. Oh, wait, has produced... An, oh, that's something else. That's what they did, not what they're working on. So, in the in the works, they're still working on Westworld, and they have another techno-thriller drama 
that is in pre-production. Not even sure I realized what that really means, but okay. Yeah, it doesn't list where that's going or what what that it's, is, but it, it's, it's just happening. Black Mirror. <laughs> so, um, so we sort of sold it to Josh. We'll let you kind of s- sort of stew on it, Andy and Mike. Uh, having a little bit more knowledge of Fallout, what do you guys think about the the series? Something you'd be into? Something you check out? Oh, I'll be watching it. Andy, I would definitely watch it. I I sort of I wonder if it won't have a lot of the dystopian themes that um, the newest Mad Max movie sort of had. Oh, as, okay. as far as like visual effects, you can see a lot. Of that. You know, um, yeah, <clears throat> just uh, a bunch of sects of people that you know sort of band together to try and get all their resources and, and basically survive. Yeah. So, and if they make that show sort of even similar to Mad Max, I think they'll have a win. Fair. Just, I mean, yeah. I add think the humor. Just be Mad Max. <laughs> add the humor of it, of Fallout to it. You know, with uh, mm-hmm. the Fallout boy who's hilarious. Yeah, there's just so many little stories. Like you can fall upon the kingdom of uh, Dave. You don't have to. <laughs> It's just literally eight people living in a place where the king is David, and he became king because he killed his father, who was the president, and he made it a kingdom because why would anyone else be in charge? <laughs> Makes sense, I kind guess. Kind of reminds me of, like, like <laughs> uh, it gives me, a, not that it's the same, but I the sense of humor always reminds me of sort of like uh, Borderlands, like that kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of humor. But if it wasn't written by a 12-year-old. Oh, f- fair. Maybe that's why I like Borderlands humor. <laughs> it's just Borderlands. That's probably why I don't. Just, they never evolved from the first game. They're still making like those same kind of jokes. You know, they never yeah. matured beyond that. And even the streamer thing with the new one, they didn't go far enough. I feel like they didn't. You know what I mean? They, yeah. Those characters are just annoying, but not in the way that they should have been annoying. You know? Right. Like they should have been annoying because they're these like, oh, they're they're gonna Jake Paul, but they weren't annoying. Because they're Jake Paul, they're annoying because they don't know how to write dialogue. Yeah, it's like we want to poke fun of that part of the the you know internet culture, but at the same time, they're part of our audience, so we don't want to really offend them. Yeah, like they gave streamers this game to play before it came out, right. before they gave it to actual review websites. It's yeah the problem. But whereas I think the Fallout humor, even though it's not as maybe I know some people don't like the newer games, they really just stick to the first two, which was a completely different company even made those. But I think at the core, its humor is more grounded in surrealism. It's not like, oh, pee-pee-poo-poo. It's, that's, that's a weird take on a situation that would normally happen, and they use the apocalypse as their way to set up your kingdom of David or your mascot killer. Right. Um, yeah, you guys got anything else for this one? That was kind of all I had. Unless Ian has something else to sell us on. Nothing? Uh, Josh, after the pitch, how do you feel? Are you going to wait for more details? Intrigued? Yeah, intrigued. Enough. I mean, it, 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 I would just not say, no, don't tell me anymore and never talk to me about it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how most things I pitch on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll chalk that up as a win for Ian then. Really, the only reason we included this is just to... Well, I know Ian wanted to talk about it, and... With Josh on the show, we needed a way to hook him in so that he was somewhat invested in what we were talking about. So I figured the pitch was the easiest way to do that. 
<laughs> yeah, I so I, I like it. Worked. It sounds cool. Um, but that's all I got. If you guys got anything else, we'll wrap it up. Nothing else. Bring back Bomberman. <laughs> Just as a game or anything, a concept, a lifestyle. <laughs> a lifestyle. Um, all right, so I don't know about the lifestyle remark. You're now being watched by the FBI. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is a new thing for me. <laughs> oh, okay, well. Alright, so if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow and subscribe to us there. Uh, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere podcasts are you can find us. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and his Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can leave us questions, comments, topics, suggestions. Um, you can always be the one person that engages us on one of those platforms. Um, you can send us an email, Superfriends at gmail.com. I won't check it. It's there for show. Or tweet us at BGSuperFriends on Twitter. And on behalf of Andy, Ian, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Love you, Simples. Flesh lungs. Look, what's stronger, flesh lungs or iron lungs? <laughs> Real simple. I mean, functional lungs would be like minimally acceptable. Yeah, so long there's, as there's the, two as choices, either flesh or iron. <laughs> there was no door number three. <laughs> this is it a Monty Hall problem? <laughs> I'm calling dibs on flesh lungs for the name of my next band. <laughs> I thought I was giving your nickname. <laughs> it could be that. That could, could be, be my nickname for this show. I think that's how. <laughs> we've gotten into is just the never evolving you know that's a good enough segue because i was going to bring up i when i wrote the outline i was not creative enough to think of like some sort of intro or nicknames like i've been doing for everybody so i'm open to suggestions if josh wants flesh long i well on the one i I, someone else say no no i I don't care (laughs) but i I feel like that has to be good old flesh lungs it has to be included somewhere in the cold open for it to make sense whatsoever else it's I think just it's better if it weird. doesn't, though, because it, <laughs> like if it's just like good old flesh lungs, Josh Zorich, or, or maybe like maybe everybody's clip, like maybe clip some of this and put it at the lungs? very end, like the yeah, music. The man with the flesh. I'll decide what gets in and what. <laughs> <gets> in. <laughs> like the music starts for like six or seven seconds, and then the audio then comes back in at the end. <laughs>